Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Sports United Podcast. We are celebrating trade deadline day the only way we knew how. Ask a bunch of people to come on and talk about why trades are good, bad, why teams made mistakes, why teams are going to win the Stanley Cup, and then see it all not come true at the end of the season. Thank you everyone for coming on the podcast. We have more than one person, so let's go through a roll call. Uh, with uh, some of your uh, favorite uh, past guests. Not all at once. <laughs> and the madness begins. Let's start alphabetical. I guess that means me then. Uh, Charles here. Uh, Adam. Adam here as well. Oops. Might be going <laughs> reverse alphabetical order. And uh, Alvaro over here. I was was like, Adam Alvaro, I was like, okay. I know, I had to think about it. As As you can tell, we did not rehearse this at all. (laughs) No, this is going exactly as planned. Exactly as planned. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not going to edit anything out either. No. uh, Thank you so much for joining us. And we're just going to get right into it because uh, trade deadline day, no matter what the day it is, delayed or not it seems to be an event and a holiday here in Canada anyways and uh, most years it gets hyped up and then kind of a little bit of a letdown but every few years it renews our hope that every trade center trade deadline day will be uh, magnificent what do you guys think about uh, this year's trade deadline day Better than expected. I think uh, there was a lot of illusions that the, you know, inter-country travel right now with the restrictions might have uh, kind of watered down the deadline or maybe had a, like a, a week early kind of implication, but not really. I think it kind of went down as a typical year, close to typical as possible. Yeah, I did think it was going to be a lot, but it ended up being, it started to pick up the last hour or so of the trade deadline. I would agree with that. Like, I, I originally felt like a lot of the big pieces had already been moved. And even like when Hall fell quite early in the day, I thought the rest of it was going to be like, oh, why am I refreshing TSN here? But uh, at the end, I'm like, oh, cool. A whole bunch of stuff happened and some that I didn't see coming. I think the uh, federal government in Canada waiving the 14-day quarantine, making only seven helped a little more of the, uh, the anticipation and the excitement because maybe you'd see some Canadian-American deals going down. Mostly it was inter-Canada and inter-USA. They didn't really cross the border much, but it did help. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, yeah, everyone had that over the head, like, oh, COVID, do people really want to trade? And that's what people were focusing on. But, uh, I mean, it started quite early. Uh, and then on the 7th, that's really when the floodgates began to open uh, with the Palmari and Zajac trade. Uh, a few teams are uh, looking like they are uh, making a run. And uh, every trade center or every trade deadline day, you got one or two teams who are like, yeah, bulking up. But it seemed like there were more teams who were bulking up, trying to get out of their division. Uh, do we have uh, kind of clear winners uh, do we even want to say losers this year? Are there trade losers this year? 
Uh, yeah, I, oh, think definitely Buffalo. Yeah. I think that's an obvious <laughs> loser. Yeah. Um, not even getting a first. Uh, it's pretty rough. Well, let's, I guess we'll, we'll talk about uh, the big one. And uh, it'll. So obviously the big one is uh, Taylor Hall. Like you guys said, didn't get a first round pick for him. Were there expectations that he would go for a, a ransom, if you will, or, uh, and now there were reports, people were trying to get it out of him. What other offers? Uh, and I haven't seen any rumored offers. So they're keeping their, you know, everything pretty tight. Uh, is that so that Buffalo fans don't burn the arena down or? I think Buffalo is really handicapped. Uh, I, I mean, I had higher expectations for what Paul would bring, but like the boys thinking about it afterwards, I think I had unrealistic expectations and a lot of people did just because with the no movement clause, he was making what his salary of 8 million or whatever. And this year, I don't know if it's just because the flat cap this year, but a lot of teams seem to have like no room. I don't recall so many third party teams being used to like just like caps and tactics. Then this, this year I'm like, oh, that's a cool thing, you know. Sorry. <laughs> um, that was happening a lot this year. And I think Buffalo couldn't do a lot. Like a lot of teams couldn't fit Taylor Hall in. Um, and he was shooting at like 2% this year. So he had a, the worst season ever for him. So it was unfortunate, the series of events for him. Yeah, I definitely didn't see him going a lot like coming back especially with him signing a one-year deer deal in buffalo knowing well he'd be traded or hoping to get picked up by another team the few cards that got you know leaked and were that had people had a good idea for there was no way that hall was bringing back the first round pick so anyone who thought first round for him was really didn't dreamland unless somehow they really sweetened the pot like uh, a sign and sign an extension the same day sort of thing. But the fact that Buffalo really got just a second round pick and not even a, not even a good prospect for a former MVP, just only a couple years removed from an MVP season. Um, they got Buffalo got fleeced on that one. And now, I mean, good for Taylor Hall. He goes to a contender in one of the toughest divisions in the NHL, probably the toughest division this year. And, makes that lineup a little more complete. They're not just so reliant on that top line of Marsha, Pasternak, and Bergeron. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I think there was some rumors about Hall being interested in, a, in an extension right away, and it's most likely with Boston. Um, I think he did have a lot of control as to where he ended up, which probably hampered what the Sabres could have gotten. Um, it's interesting to think, though, that, you know, he is just a few years removed from that MVP. Uh, a guy like Kyle, Palm- Kyle Palmieri and uh, Travis Ajak, not really at that caliber level of players, and they fetched back a first-rounder. And Lou Lamorella was also rumored to be interested in in Hall. So 
kind of wonder, must wonder what happened there. Maybe, maybe he nicks a trade to the Islanders. It'd be tough to believe that he would want to leave Buffalo, wouldn't want to leave Buffalo for New York. It's like not that far. It's right down the road. It's the same state. Makes things easier logistically. Um, but maybe it just fell through for other reasons. Maybe he didn't want to shave every day. You know, it's it's hard to. <laughs> that is rough. Gotta love that Palmieri beard. I miss it. Yeah, I miss <laughs> it. Glad he still has his eyebrows. Crazy. I, I, I mean, yeah, all great observations. It's just, and they packaged in former first round pick Curtis Lazar. So I mean, yeah. the fact they couldn't even get a first rounder for two first rounders is. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he had rental all over him from the very beginning. Oh, even at the start of the season that now here's the thing. What at the end of the season, what other dominoes or what other players I should say, don't call them dominoes. Is this the, like the, the start of the wick for the dynamite for the explosion of the Buffalo Sabres? Has to be. Yeah. Something has to be. Yeah. Yeah. It has to give like, who knows what what uh, how involved the owners are compared to like how they're involved or not involved at all with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think they probably have their hands in the kitchen more often than not with the Sabers than what they do with the the Bills franchise, and that can probably tell you a lot considering one is successful and one is essentially sinking and perpetually so. One team is keeping afloat the entire city while the other do not even want their season ticket or the season ticket holders do not even want to see the product. I don't know if you guys saw that report, but uh, they offered the state of New York allowed fans back in and uh, there was limited capacity. So they offered their 12 to 1500 season seat ticket owners, which is crazy to think that they have so little um, and no one accepted tickets or seats so I, could you blame them really no yeah <laughs> but that's just it for being sucked away for from hockey from live hockey for a year even that like little carrot at the end of the stick being like you can see live hockey no one wanted to take uh take the risk but what's i think to do with it like I think this season has just been like a disaster for Buffalo on all fronts and no one really saw it coming because going into the year there's a lot of optimism around them I felt like we got Hall and you're like hey Hall and Eichel like this could be another like huge season and then I can't think of one thing that went right for them I mean no one performed up to like Darlene until recently also was had been having a awful season um, Eichel got injured. I'm like, you don't want to be like too rash and tear it all down. Eichel's still young. Darlene's still young. Like, you can build around that. Mm-hmm. But Sam then, how Reinhardt, long do you? Sorry, sorry go ahead, Alvaro. I was going to say, Sam Reinhardt's having a pretty decent season considering who he's, who his supporting cast is. So there are pieces, like you said, Adam, you said, you know, two big pieces, a couple of peripheral ones that you can still build around, but. Do they even want to stay? And that's actually leading into what I was going to say, Alvaro. Um, 
I think that comment from Ryan O'Reilly a couple of years ago really actually torpedoed Buffalo. You know, just how the mindset of losing had sort of just permeated the, the locker room. No one knows mm-hmm. how to win there. So while they may not want to blow it up, they may have to just to totally get jettison everyone from the losing culture, try and bring in young kids, bring in some winners, and maybe pray to God that it works. But I, I don't know how much more that fan base can take. Yeah, who knows how long Eichel will even want to stay there mm. with how the, the rate it's going at. <clears throat> Reminiscent of uh, Stevie Eisman almost leaving Detroit when it was getting bad there in the, in the early 90s, and he almost got yeah. traded to Ottawa for Yashin. Imagine how oh, that would have... my God. <laughs> Imagine wow. the fate of those two franchises if that trade ever happened. Alexi wow. Yashin for Stevie Eisman. It was, a, it was rumored to be a straight-up one-for-one just imagine how that would have gone down for both Ottawa and Detroit. The the hometown kid could have saved the franchise, been the face of the franchise. Oh. Oh. Oh, my heart hurts. Wow, man, that's <laughs> now I'm a hell again. of an so, alternate reality to think of. So before Crazy. we break from the Taylor Hall, another interesting fact having to do with Ottawa. So before Taylor Hall uh, was traded for Adam Larson to New Jersey, in 2016, they offered Hall to Ottawa in exchange for Cody Cece, a one-for-one. One. And uh, our lovely owner uh, didn't approve it at the time. Wow. That is like, shocking. Why? I, I want to know how much Cody Cece's parents, who have been season ticket holders from the start, I get that hometown, like Obviously, they had some influence. How much influence did they have not wanting their... But, like, 2016, at the time, a first... Like, a first overall pick for Cody Cece. Like, how do you pass that up? I think Eugene was still in the the mindset of trying to save money at that point, and they they weren't going to be in contendership. Little did he know that they would go to the Eastern Finals the very next year. And if you put Taylor Hall on that team there, that that team had something special. You put Taylor Hall on that 2017 team, you could be seeing a uh, Stanley Cup championship hanging here in Ottawa. Uh, I would really like to know how the hell that trade got nixed or not approved because there isn't a GM alive, and I'm sure everybody else here on, the, on, this, uh, on this call, uh, any one of us would do Taylor Hall for Cody CC. Even if we were on drugs, we'd still do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Then that's, I'm, I'm glad the note specifically says, obviously, any GM, like you said, 100% signs that off, go, yep, uh, do you want it faxed? Do you want me to fly it to you? Like, so clearly it was yeah like Charles, you said it was clearly saving money tactic because you know even a one-year deal in buffalo is eight million dollars for taylor hall coming from the coyotes who were so so like uh. but he did he did well in zona he actually put up a few points and he got hurt quite a bit there that but that I'll is put true, up some yeah. points in zona and he was still that, that trade you just mentioned there. He was two years before his MVP season. So, again, uh, we, Alvaro, you talked about alternate reality with Yashin and then for Yeisman. 
another alternate reality, Hall and the Senators versus Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, Eastern Final 2017. I'd like to see how that stacks up. Would have been yeah, a lot closer, that's for series. sure. Yeah, it's it's. And he's a he's a game breaker. Even if this season doesn't show it, I still think he has it in him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting uh, when you when you mentioned the thing about Ryan O'Reilly a little bit, you know, still with the Sabers because it's Hall. Uh, he wasn't even the first on record to make such a statement. Uh, a few years prior to that, Patrick Berglund just quit hockey altogether. Uh, just gave money away, decided, you know what? This isn't worth my mental health. Moved back to Sweden and was just like, screw it. I'm done. This is not yep. where I want to play hockey. This is not Hockey is not even a thing for me anymore because Buffalo, that's how bad it was. So what I think kind that's of statement is that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You throw millions away just to be like, you know what? I think uh, I'd rather just be cool with myself and, and not have to think or deal with Buffalo. Uh, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty bleak, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if that sentiment's necessarily gone away uh, in that town. Do we now? We don't. talk about the the media like frenzy in Toronto. Like some people don't want to play in Toronto because it's just you're on twenty four seven you get recognized at the grocery store and, you know, some people just like to play in LA where no one, but like one in a hundred thousand will recognize you facially. Do, do we think that is now, I mean, coming to light, obviously, but do we think that is something that's talked about in the locker room? Like don't go to Buffalo. Like you're not in Canada. So it's not, you're almost Canada, not quite Canada, but it's still as miserable. Yeah. It has to be right. Like coworkers, they're basically coworkers. <laughs> you hear rumbles at least. There's got to be chatter of like, oh, you know, so and so mentioned about about the coach, about the facilities that they have. It could be a number of things. It's just like mm, it might be blackballed among players. Wouldn't shock me. No, not at all. I think it would have to be talked about. Same way at work, if you're thinking of switching teams or switching departments, you can only talk to someone off the record and be like, hey, is this manager like going to like let me progress in my career or whatever? Like, you don't just blindly switch. But I know professional sports isn't the same as like working for the government. But like, you know there's probably, I think all workplaces have similar crossover parts. Yeah, exactly. They must have some sort of like, I don't know, a WhatsApp group, you know, between players that played together in like the O or if they played together in the WHL or whatever, you know, junior the league they came up in. So many players. Exactly. Like, yeah. The agent would be like, hey, this guy isn't super happy here. Maybe like, I don't know. Like, do you want where you're happy or do you want where you're making the most money? Some people might be like, if I'm making enough, I'll put up with something else. Yeah, there's definitely networking happening that, that we don't, we're definitely not privy to. Well, actually, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's networking, but it's think about all the summer training. Think about all the players who train together in the offseason. You know, Austin Matthews, like Sidney Crosby and Nate McKinnon don't play mm-hmm. in the same conference, but they train together. It's got to be stuff like that, actually. You know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Players talk, teams talk. That's how you get players from other teams to join you. Does someone That's make Gary Roberts a general manager just so all his Uber fit <laughs> regime just, oh yeah, come on my team. It's 24 seven, super fit all the time. We're going to win. Like at least something. Right? Like, 
how they're oh, maybe like uh and that's the other thing too i mean not it i find it less uh, stressful than the, the the trade deadline before vegas became a team uh and i think the like uh the pandemic really you know kind of put that in the back of people's minds but like there's an expansion draft this summer mm-hmm. and like Later this month, Seattle will finish paying off their expansion fee, which is crazy to think that they're, I don't know, ahead of schedule, but, and then they can start to talk to free agent, like unsigned, like they can start to sign people as soon as they're done paying their expansion fee. So before the end of the season, we're going to have the first official like player to sign for the Kraken. We'll probably see some trades from uh, non-playoff teams to start to trickle in with the with the Kraken. You know, all those kinds of uh, please don't touch my unprotected player type I of think deals. People are going to be wiser this time because Vegas got like a king's ransom for some of them. Yeah, Florida. Oh my god, wised up a little bit and being like losing one person might not be the end of the world. Yeah, I think you're right, Adam. I think teams are going to play it a little differently this time because they know what to expect. Like, there's no way you can save five of your star players, but yeah. you throw a couple draft picks or already signed players here from, like, the OHL or whatnot that maybe will pan out or maybe go a little easy on you, but it's going to be interesting to see some of those big teams on how they play out that this time around. I think you'll see more prospects that are not quite the upper echelon or the highest of the highest echelons, but that B-level prospect gets thrown into a lot of trades to avoid. Um, we'll use Montreal as an example. Montreal would say, here, here's Ryan Poling, and don't touch, you know, Nick Suzuki, just to throw a name, just to pick a name. But I think you'll see a lot of that for, the, for those kind of trades with the Kraken. Um, the fact that Florida gave up as much as they did and they're now in contention a couple years later is surprising. Yeah, definitely. Florida was the one that I think it was two separate trades yep. to save Riley. No, not really. Not. It was uh, Riley Smith, was it? They gave up Marcia so just to save. Like it, do- it didn't make any sense. And, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't probably they trade Wise anyway to Vegas. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really strange trade. So let's start it off. So the first big trade to kick off uh, the weekend, if you will, was the Islanders Devils. Essentially, they just threw the players over the river, and uh, hope you can uh, swim. Yeah, yeah. Good luck in New Jersey. You know, everything's legal in New Jersey, but. Uh, so it, it kind of was at the, you know, it seemed like, all right, New York's like, they're all in or they're, they're making a push. Uh, they didn't really do anything else. I guess they felt like they, I mean, they, when you get two star players like that, do you, I, there's not much, you're already, you know, doing pretty well so far. So there's no, uh, you know jostling elsewhere that you have to do uh do you think new york did well by staying put after making the uh, the big trade i think so i think new i think the islanders are set up rather nicely they didn't need to make a huge move they made like homary 
Sajak it is a big move, but it's also providing that depth for them. Like anything else, sure, could they picked up like a third liner or depth defenseman or something, but then you're just rearranging the deck. So you're not doing it. Yeah, I don't see the Islanders. I mean, I'm not even sure they really had to make the move for Palmieri and Zajac in the first place. It's a hell of a good pickup. I mean, credit to Luda Morello where it's due. And then, you know, he knows that organization in Jersey very well. Um, and he really didn't give up the – didn't really overpay for those guys either. So, uh, really good job there. And it just – Palmieri and Zajac will be very good in the locker room. That's really what that is That because not a lot of guys in the Islanders – have extensive playoff experience. Palmieri's got a couple of runs in him. Sajak's been to hell and back with New Jersey on at least one of their cup teams, if not two of them. Um, right? Am I, am I wrong on Zajac? I think, I think two of them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's good voice in the locker room for the playoff time, especially when you get to that game six, game seven, you know, grind. It's overtime, and you got someone to settle the team down. Um, but I don't think uh, – we. I wouldn't put too much stock other than that. I mean, I say that, I mean, it's still pretty big, but they're not going to be game breakers and suddenly turn the Islanders into world beaters to put it, to put it that way. Uh, Great depth move. Both guys are going to be third line, maybe fourth, depending on the night. Um, Don't really know what's else, but yeah, uh, like to your point, Adam, they didn't need to go make anything else. It's just shuffling the the bottom part of the deck, which isn't going to affect you. So, and it's good in uh, in case of injuries they're already dealing with. I think the main point was to help kind of offset that uh, missing Anders Lee. That, uh, you know, that's a pretty big player. And I'm pretty not sure he's not going to be expected to be back even for the playoffs, which is a huge blow. That's your captain, right? So that goes yeah. to your point about the leadership, about the, that, like, that guy, that voice in the locker room that in the playoffs is so vital. Uh, so those are two pretty key moves to make. I was surprised a little bit that they didn't make anything else, but it would have probably just been more depth, uh, you know, in case of injuries, like a lot of the the depth moves that we saw today. Um, but yeah, kudos to Lou. He knows exactly what he's doing. He gets ahead of things and he kind of did set a lot of the precedent because we were, you know, kind of thinking, is there even going to be first rounders going? And I think there was a total of two. So he he knew his move and he did it pretty pretty early on. Good for him. It's one of those that you know. Sometimes you always wait for that that splashy trade. There's always you know small trades leading up that kind of like build blocks or like help solidify a few teams. But people don't pay much attention. And then every now and then you get a kind of splashy trade that kicks off everyone and then sometimes throws teams in a panic and go oh crap like shit i didn't see that or like i wanted them or they didn't return my call how dare they and you know so i think this really kind of kicked it off and like the next trade you know florida really was i think the surprise team but in addition they traded with the other surprise team of the year chicago who at this moment uh are I believe both teams, uh, Chicago's fifth. So uh, they're four points away. And I don't think they're trying to make the playoffs, but they're not where we thought they would be after last season. They're definitely not like 
closer to the bottom where we probably all would have expected them to be. Uh, that speaks volumes of uh, Kane and his literal game-breaking status. Um, not to mention Taves isn't even healthy right now. So that's pretty crazy. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, uh, I think that trade, you're, you're talking about the uh, double Lucas trade, Lucas Wellmark and Lucas Carlson, right? So yes. a bit of a cap dump. Um, I guess for the Panthers to open up some space, they traded Brett Connolly, who honestly, if you had asked me a few months ago, if is he, is he even still in the league? I wouldn't have known. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I was in the same boat. I had no idea. When I heard that name, I was like, Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> Last I, mean, I heard he was on the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. I mean, That's not what happens him. Right? He's, Florida, right? Yeah. He's, <laughs> Leaving Florida, leaving that nice weather, going up to Chicago, but no, I think Florida had to make moves after losing Applad. You know, you talk, you talk about teams in a panic. While I don't think they're ever going to admit that they were panicking, Applad was on pace to be pretty much the only guy who could have challenged Victor Hedman for the Norris this year. So you lose a stud. On defense, you like you'd be the Senators losing Carlson when sometimes when they did, or uh, San Jose early on, and when Brent Burns was the most dominant force there, losing him. You, when you lose a guy like Ekblad, uh, they were probably in full on panic mode, so they had to make moves. And they sure as hell did. They gave they gave himself a a fighter a fighter's chance now. Yeah, and just a few days later, they traded for Brandon Montour. Who's not obviously not that uh, top flight defenseman, but still can help you push some players down where closer to where they need to be. And a lot of the theme, yeah, going forward, like the next three trades, wow. uh, both on the ninth and then one on the tenth, was just a player for a kind of a pick. Uh, starting with Toronto getting Riley wow. Nash, so Columbus is clearly. On, on the dump train uh they're they're second last right now in their division uh only besting detroit only by four points right now so they're, they're not much better uh but uh riley nash and then colorado just beefing up as well so and then florida getting that uh, that defense so these are the the non-splashy trades that real fans like or real fans of players like when they come to a certain team, but the, the casual fan uh, doesn't or won't get excited or won't really understand uh, be like, Oh, you know, a Colorado fan, Adam, you can speak of this. Uh, the, the casual ones who are like, Oh, Patrick Nimith. He doesn't spell his name. Right. What? <laughs> I mean, it's even as a fan, it is hard to get excited when you're like, Oh, we got this player for, a seventh round pick or which I forget what they gave up for that. A fourth round 2022. So in the near future, but not current future. In my mind, generally the team who gets the player in those, like if you had to name a winner wins the trade, if they're, if they play a game on the team, because like a fourth round or later pick in a draft two years from now is basically like, a very long shot lottery ticket. 
like Colorado is doing it because you need a defenseman in case injuries start wiping out your third pairing or something. And he and he's a serviceable NHL defenseman, and it's better than calling up uh, someone from um, I forget where they're uh, Hershey or wherever. Hershey, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, and those are the so many of those trades that felt like happened this trade deadline when you're like, oh, that player for six, what? But it's all those depth little moves that it separates the teams that know they're in the playoff spot that are just getting it for that insurance. And those teams being like, well, we're not re-signing him anyways, so a lottery ticket's better than nothing. Yeah, I saw that. I, I I guess more prevalent this year and maybe it was because of the pandemic too um, wanting to keep as many physical bodies just in case yeah. something happens or an injury because you can have that you know taxi squad as well to your advantage yeah. Uh, but yeah you know while we have a body as of right now that's better than a future lottery pick but if you're not going to sign that person or uh, you know, you're not in the, in the playoff hunt. You're like, well, a lottery pick or a lottery ticket seems kind of like uh, our best option right now. Yeah, it's better than nothing. And, you know, sometimes some of those fourth, fifth, sixth rounders turn into guys that you don't expect, right? Like there's undrafted players that are at the highest level. So it happens and it's not, uh, it is literally a, a lottery pick. It's kind of, shooting blanks, shooting darts in, in the dark kind of thing. Uh, and there, there were also a few trades you alluded to the Columbus making just kind of, you know, fire sale almost uh, trading Riley Nash, who's already injured uh, and seventh. for a seventh, a conditional seventh, which turns <laughs> into a sixth. <laughs> Super yeah, important. Condition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A quarter of the playoff games. So it's, pretty well understood that he's not even anticipated to play that many games, if any. Uh, and it was a bit of a cap finagling move to say, Hey, well, now we have some of that LTIR cap space that we can use uh, for future moves for moves that they actually inevitably end up, ended up making. So there's a lot of like, uh, you know, you're playing with uh, either depth, uh, warm bodies, or you're literally just playing with uh, an algorithm that tells you, Oh, I can spend this much more money. Don't knock the Riley Nash trade, though, actually. That one, there's a couple of trades, and that one there, there's a, I've got two or three that are they're going to be very unheralded trades. People are going to be like, what the hell were those people thinking there? Why did they make this move? And those will be the, these three trades I'm thinking of, and we're going we're to wind up touching all three of them, but this is the first one that I think is actually going to wind up paying bigger dividends than people realize. Riley Nash won't play in the regular season, but come playoff time, he's expected back for the playoffs. Riley Nash is going to suit up because I highly doubt Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, and Joe Thornton, as much as I, especially I love Jumbo Joe, their bodies are all now in their late 30s, and I'm not sure they can handle the rigors of a full playoff grind. Riley Nash can be inserted there and bring that physicality and a few goals, and just watch out for that one. Something tells me that that trade is going to be, we're going to come back to that and say, hey, without that trade, the Leafs don't win this game, and for the Leaf fans out there, that may that may win them a series for the first time in 17 years. Ooh. That's 17 if he's years. ready for the first one. That's the question. 
Sorry, say it again. Goalie situation. I said that's if he's uh, ready for the first uh, series. First round, yeah. He's, he's supposed to be easy. He's the initial target date for him back was the I think the third or fourth last day of the regular season. Okay, oh, so okay. just in time. Yeah. Right around that uh, that sweet spot where you can come back and uh, get some conditioning time in, with the taxi squad, or maybe even conditioning stint with the Marlies. Uh, it could be it could be a sleeper. I, I thought of it mostly as just a way to kind of move around money, but uh, if he's an actual contributor, he's been a, a thorn in the side of the Maple Leafs for three playoff series. If you count the bubble uh, last year with the Columbus Blue Jackets, yeah. two series against the Boston Bruins. Um, I'm not just saying he's a he's a throw in, but initially I thought of it as like this is some you know, maneuvering the cap type of thing, uh, as little as you can do with it as possible, but because I knew he was on LTIR. So trades like that are always interesting, right? It makes you wonder what do, what do they know that we don't? Exactly. Oh, big time. So our first goalie moved uh, with Devin Dubnik, a very serviceable uh, goaltender, lots of experience to, Av- uh, to Colorado. Just again, that veteran presence uh, for a fifth round and a uh, defensive prospect uh, to San Jose. Um, Adam, as an Avalanche fan, uh, did how badly did they need a, uh, I guess, a backup or a veteran goaltender presence? I think they, I, I like this. One. I really like this move, actually. I know some people are downplaying it a little bit, but. Colorado is such a strong team this year. Like Dubnik has some pretty bad numbers, but playing behind such a team as Colorado that like really suppresses the shot count, they control the play. I think Dubnik can shine. And Colorado's playoff runs last year and the year before were just like destroyed by goalie injuries. And so, I mean, clearly Dubnik is not going to be the starter assuming Grubauer is going to be healthy. But like, if he goes down, like, I think it's a really nice to have a steady presence of someone who's kind of like being around a while and like being there done that type of thing. And I think Colorado has aspirations of like, they're not favorites, but I think they, they have aspirations that they will compete for a cup this year. And Dubnik is the one that fits that mold. That's it's what they kind of needed. Colorado is definitely contenders. They're sorry. No, no, go ahead, over. Go ahead. I was just going to say Colorado is definitely contenders. I, I would, I wouldn't even be shy to say that they're favorites necessarily. Um, they're they're a hell of a team, and as stacked as they were before the deadline, I mean, they they've only really added depth, but really, like you don't need to add much more when you're all pretty well set. Yeah, and it seems every year they're just starting to get better and better and more comfortable going to that playoffs and going those extra miles. Yeah. They're the only team that's going to really, in my mind, be able to stand in a slugfest with the Vegas Knights and have a chance of, have a puncher's chance of winning. No one else in that division is going to really be able to throw with them on the scoreboard and go up and down the ice in the track meet. But when you've got arguably this generation's version in terms of strength and conditioning, uh, the old generation was Yarmir Yager. This generation is Nate McKinnon. Uh, I think that having Devin Dubnik, like you said there, Adam, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. I mean, you mentioned Colorado has been torpedoed by goalie injuries. Now you can breathe a little easier. You've got Devin Dubnik, who he gets on a hot streak. He can win the series for you. He can he can give you that chance. So no, I think this is a, a brilliant move to pick up a a, pro, a proven starter. Then uh, right after this trade, we had uh, David Savard uh, get a ticket to Detroit and then get uh, rerouted to uh, Florida uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, was this one of those uh, three-team trades or was this just, a, uh, you know, Tampa couldn't give them what they wanted, but they wooed Detroit into giving them David Savard? Uh, it was definitely by design. <laughs> right, they this waited is, uh, for the right opportunity. <laughs> pretty well. Uh, this is Steve Eiserman all over it, right? Like, just a genius uh, to, to get himself involved in this and pretty much just walk away with, uh, with a pick for free, essentially, for just, you know, uh, cap, just taking up some cap. Um, this was the first of this kind this year, right? I think. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. I think we saw something similar a couple of years ago when uh, I can't remember what the goalie was. Um, it was a backup goalie traded via Toronto. Toronto held some cap and it was like a six rounder that, that the Leafs got. Um, but that was the first one I ever remember seeing with that, like kind of like, Oh, we're going to hold some salary here and then ship you off to the next team. Um, these are, these are creative. I like this a lot. And, and I saw this, you know, with the Columbus trade happening for Savard. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a trend. This is definitely going to pick up this year, especially in this economy. And the cap's supposed to be relatively flat again next year. So uh, you just said setting a, setting a trend, setting a precedent. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of this next year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When it starts the cap, with the cap being so low, or like such a straight balance, pretty much. And you'll start to see those little moves more and more now. Well, to your point, Alvaro, there, I mean, it's pure genius on Stevie Wise part. Here, I'll take, I'll, I'll hold on to a million plus cap and I'll get a pick out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially since Detroit needs that rebuild so badly. Uh, I mean, savvy businessman right there. I mean, he learned, he learned from some of the best in Tampa. So good on him. And I thought Tampa made out well in it too. I like Savard as a defenseman. Like, I think they gave up a first for him, but uh, I think I, he seems like the playoff type or he is the playoff type of defenseman that teams need and want for that, like, intangibles that they bring. He brings a lot more than his stats. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And it was a, a first and a third. Yeah. And... The so specific that's... of like the, the, the bodies involved, Brian Lashoff is just a straight up AHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's playing in the Detroit system. So he's playing for Grand Rapids. He's not even moving to the Tampa Bay system. So it's just a straight up like move. Okay, we're going to loan him back to the team that he was originally playing with. So he's not even going anywhere. It's just paperwork. Detroit loses a roster player and gets a fourth round pick. Just... Straight up, like, just robbery. Just Stevie Y, man. 
is the things that he's Brian, pulling off. Is Brian Lashoff worth a first and a third? Like, like you said, <laughs> is I, that the question? That's <laughs> one of those. Is that what you got out of that? <laughs> I mean, no, I, but like, I mean, I, Tampa's assuming that they're going to go far. So that first round pick, they're not worried about it. I don't know. I, I just seem for a guy that's not even going to join your team this year. That's a, it's a heavy consideration for, uh, I guess they have bright plans for him in the future. <laughs> Must be it. How else could it make sense? I don't know. Well, when you, when you look at it though, I mean, just to get serious for a second there, I mean, I love the last off comment. A first and a third for Savard adding him into a blue line that's already relatively stacked. I mean, you start with Victor Hedman. You've got now Savard will slide in. He could play in the top pair if you need him to. Probably better suited on second pair. Uh, probably with Sergachev. Yeah. Yeah. That's... But you, you have a Stanley Cup championship defense right there, and you already have a world all-world goalie in Vasilevsky. So, and you, we always, you always hear that championship starts from the net out. So that back 60 feet of defense and goaltending going to be uh, hard to beat out of that division. Yeah, I completely agree. They're building themselves up to be another contender. And again, they could be back to back. I don't think we've seen back to back since Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh, 16-17. Yeah, so this could be it. Uh, again, this is all this all has Stevie Wise fingerprints all over it. A hundred percent. We started off uh, Sunday, uh, which was not a day of rest uh, when it's trade deadline day the next day. Uh, a few uh, kind of movable pieces. So New Jersey gets Johan Seiken Thaler for a third conditional third round uh, Montreal gets into the party where they get a, uh, a solid defenseman in John Merrily uh, just for Hayden Verbeek. Uh, he wasn't really fitting in with the Montreal system. Was he Charles? No. Uh, everyone thought that he had glimpses of his father, Pat, who we all remember growing up watching him play. Um, everyone thought that he could be a version of his father and he has never really been able to put it together for an extended period of time. He'll show two or three games where he's got the sandpaper his father had. He has some of the deft touch, deft touch around the net that he, his father had. But he's never been able to stay healthy long enough or put it all together long enough to actually prove himself to be worthy of a shot in the NHL. Uh, I don't even think he's going to put it, put it all together Anywhere else, he'll probably be like a lash off and just be a career AHLer, but nothing beyond that. So, this is pure win for the Montreal Canadiens getting another depth defenseman who has a lot of experience in good systems, and he's been through a trying time there in Detroit. So he comes to a team that's got aspirations of contention. last year and the Eric Stahl trade earlier, they are still 
there's still a team in front of them in the uh, North Division that is uh, got bigger aspirations that they'll have to get through, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I thought you were talking about Winnipeg. We'll talk about Winnipeg in a little bit there. Because um, mm-hmm. depending on what happens with Wheeler, that's a different story. They're all together. Yeah. But no, Montreal getting a serviceable, serviceable depth defenseman who can play on really their bottom three because when Chirac gets back, he's going to slide right back into the top four. Uh, I, I like the trade wholeheartedly, and it doesn't really cost us anything that uh, is going to handicap us in the future. It was a fifth along with Verbeek. So a fifth that came from Ottawa in a, in a separate trade. Hey. Now that fifth actually could wind up being something in, in, impressive because, you know, these days with scouting, fifth and sixth rounders are <laughs> – it's like Tom Brady. He's a football one there, a sixth-round pick. Mark Stone was now a captain in Vegas. He was a sixth-round pick. Fifth and sixth rounders aren't as throwawayable as they used to be. The greatest senator in history – was a sixth round pick. Just Dashing? <laughs> you know what? I, I will say, as a Sens fan, you grew up, you know, I had a cat named after him. He was the toast of the town. And then he became enemy number one. Yeah. But like the Vince Carter, like like those enemy players that leave your city because of contract or money or whatever. You know, it lessens over time, and then you start to question, like, why was I really angry? Like, I don't... So, like, when I met Yashin in person, he, he was very polite. He was a nice guy. He, you know, I got an autograph, shook his hand, like, when you could shake hands and it wasn't illegal. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> he was a great guy. And, I, you know, right after that, I was just like, you know what? I, I can't ever hate the guy anymore unless he does something stupid, but... Well, the hatred for him still runs pretty strong. When the Women's World Championship was here a few years back, uh, they, he was the GM of the women's Russian team. And they <laughs> yeah. showed him, actually, on, they showed him on the board, and he got a massive round of, round of booze. I think that's just because you have to at this point. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's expected. We don't, we don't mean it. We just, it's out of love, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> the lo- the love-hate kind of boo. Well, you mean love to hate? <laughs> that must be it. Speaking of love to hate, uh, Toronto seeing Montreal make a move, and they went, well, I guess we have to do something. And they made a splash, uh, making the collection of father-son uh, to play for the same team. Uh, former Ottawa Senator uh, Nick Felino is heading back to Canada, uh, a much wiser, older individual. Uh, served as captain, uh, got that experience and leadership skills. Uh, uh, and then with the addition of uh, Stefan Nussen, uh, this, this was really the Toronto Maple Leafs saying, uh, you know, we're here. Uh, we expect to be in, in the final four. Uh, what up, Boston? Yeah, I mean, Boston's going to be the uh, the – ever going evergreen thorn in, in uh, Toronto's side for probably the rest of my life at the very least. Um, Stefan Nason, man. Nason? Nason? Nason. I didn't know his dad played for, uh, for the Leafs. Is that who you're talking uh, about? Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 it must be him. <laughs> Nick, Nick classic, classic Ottawa Senator Stefan Nason, also an <laughs> Ottawa Sens pick. 
but yeah, no, Nick Foligno, um, Foligno, awesome name. Um, and his dad, Mike, obviously, uh, played for the Leafs in, in 93. Um, you know, not, not the player I thought the Leafs were going to get, mostly because I think Toronto has this kind of maybe deserved, but league-wide uh, reputation of uh, skill first, you know, kind of um, flashy game uh, until Wayne Simmons signed with the Leafs in the summer. It was always the talk of, oh, they need to, you know, they need to hunker down, they need to get stronger. Almost that Brian Burke talk of truculence coming back. Uh, and Felino fits the bill for that. And he's also, you know, he's no, uh, he's no slump in the offensive department pretty responsible player a lot like you said like more mature player he's not uh, that young kid that he was when he was in ottawa uh, i'm excited to see him play excited to see him wear number 71 and, and bring that number back to prominence uh david clarkson pretty much ruined that number for us um it was a, it was a bad era but uh yeah that that was a, that was one of those trades right with the like the Via another team, San where it's, got San Jose, yeah, they got involved and they they got a fourth round pick out of it. Good for them. Um, these are the creative trades that I like to see for sure. Uh, you know, we live in the cap world and we have to abide by those rules. But there's some loopholes like this that I think uh, teams are starting to exploit now. And not just the rich teams like the Leafs, but the, the teams that are not necessarily needing to reach the uh, or they have space between their cap and the uh, the actual ceiling where they can exploit that, uh, especially on a pro-rated salary. So I think it's a win for everyone. Uh, it kind of sucks to see Columbus in this situation, given that just a few years ago they were they were in this situation, the opposite, right? They were the buyers. They were getting rid of all of their firsts. They were just kind of, you know, going for it. And, and I was happy to see that at the time too. Uh, but it's, you know, it kind of just shows you that you can, you can, Build it up and tear it down, uh, unless you're Buffalo. Uh, I do have one question for you, Alvaro, since you follow the Leafs a lot more than most of us do. Uh, Felino's got experience playing with Austin Matthews at the World Championships a couple of years back. Do you right. slot him in with Matthews and Marner, or do you drop him down with Tavares on the second line, or do you even put him on the third line, maybe playing with Thornton and Spezza even? I, I would want to see him on the first two lines to start. Uh, I would have, if this was last week, I would have probably said top line with Matthews right away. Uh, the interesting part, and I think one of the things that kind of shaped up for the Leafs for the this particular trade deadline was uh, the emergence of Galchenyuk, which I don't, I didn't expect much out of Alex Galchenyuk. Um, he didn't play right away until like a few weeks ago, so he was basically getting conditioned, getting to know the system. I think just earning some confidence in some ways because he did play for the Marlies. Uh, so that whole experiment is proving fruitful. And I think since recently, Nylander has been put on the COVID um, protocol list. So uh, his spot on the second line has been kind of up in the air. So Galchenyuk got promoted to the first, Hyman down to the second. I think originally we'll probably see... Um, see him on the first line i hope so at least with matthews uh but eventually there might be some tinkering where you'll have galchenyuk back on the first and then uh it's not like you're gonna have a, a, a hard time making offense with a guy like john Tavares and william william nylander on the other side so 
either way, I think he's brought into Toronto to be on that top six, uh, especially given that there's going to be injuries. It's the playoffs. There's going to be injuries at some point. So all those pieces need to move around and need to get comfortable with each other because they're going to be seeing each other, uh, whether it's power play or due to injury regular time on the you know, full strength. So I hope so. The six one three line. <laughs> oh, I still have nightmares of Spets of torturing torching three months and Jose Theodore in overtime. Uh, yeah, you know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. I, yeah. I've seen reactions, seen reactions all over the board here. Everyone knows that clip I'm talking about. So, yeah. yeah. Seeing seeing Foligno and Spezza together again on a power play would be something. Just, you know, just for nostalgia's sake, would be nice. Yeah, and seeing Foligno jump up in the air like his dad used to do. So, that, that'd that be cool. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's going to do that. He did that on his first NHL goal just to, tr- to pay tribute to his dad. He did, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he said that that was for his dad's thing. He's not doing it, so. Okay. I, I wouldn't go too far expecting that in Toronto. I think I saw his brother do it too. Marcus? I think so. He's in Minnesota now, right? I think you've seen him do it. Yeah, I think he did it for his first as well, but I haven't seen him do it since. Okay. Probably, yeah. Oh, nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, over under a year, Anderson is still a Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender. I don't see it happening. Mostly because he'll probably want to raise or with where he's at. And I don't know if he's going to make that kind of money. It's just he gets injured too much and he's too inconsistent. I love him as a goalie. I leave. Uh, Murray to be a leaf. Uh, yeah. Funny, funny that that comes up again. Uh, but at this point, I think we've seen we've seen enough uh, from him and. I'm more interested in I'm I'm more interested in new toy. I want to talk about Jack Campbell. <laughs> now the question is with Jack Campbell and now your pickup David Riddich and possibly Anderson coming back from injury come playoff time. Who's your one two? Uh, it's probably by default Anderson and Campbell. Yeah, uh, but I think it would be Anderson's to lose and Campbell's just right there to take it take it away. Um, it, it'll kind of be like a Grubauer, um, almost a you know with the with the Washington setup uh, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, when Holtby came back in the playoffs and it was either his to take take on which he did or to flounder and then it would just go back to the guy that brought you where you are. Uh, so I think that's kind of where we're going to be. And Dave, big save, big save, Dave. Why not as a, a third string? Because I don't want to see Hutchinson in any playoff game. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Adam, you understand why. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to see that as, a, <laughs> as an avalanche fan. Um, and, and it's lessons that teams have to learn the hard way, unfortunately, that you can't just have uh, 1A and 1B. You have to have a third string, even if it's you know someone that you're not totally comfortable with, but you have to envision them taking on at least one game in the playoffs. Especially uh, this year with COVID. If someone happens exactly. to come down, call-ups are going to be harder. and so Yeah, yeah exactly. You can always get David Aries if you want. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm sure Sorry, he's, I'm right now. <laughs> he's too busy. Uh, you know, um, his actual job, which is a 
he's a Zamboni driver still, I hope, uh, unless he got promoted. Um, <laughs> Where do you yeah, go from that, Zamboni driver? <laughs> Rink manager well, now. <laughs> there you go. Okay, there you go. You already beat your, your lifelong fandom team. Why not? <laughs> And, uh, and Cole and Adam, uh, you know, we said goodbye to some uh, players that were just kind of hole fillers, salary cap eaters, uh, and Braden Colburn and, uh, you know, journeyman now, Mike Riley, uh, who we were, me and Alvaro were just discussing uh, the day before, evening before. Um, I didn't like the, the Riley trade from Ottawa's perspective. I thought Boston made a savvy move. Yeah. But from Ottawa's perspective, yeah, Riley seems to have some good underlying numbers. He was doing, like, Ottawa hasn't been good this year. But overall, they've been, like, improving, except against Edmonton. Like, take the nine games against Edmonton. And they're fast. They're fast. Yeah. The, the... A completely different season. We just won't talk about it. But Riley, he filled a hole for Ottawa. Like, we don't have the super depth at the moment for defensemen. Um, I think it comes down to salary. They know more than we do. If he's looking for like four years at four million or something, and we weren't going to pay it, fine. Let's get a third for him. But like, if there was a reasonable request, like I would like him to be signed. He w- he was very much like a service. He was doing very well. So the fact that uh, Alvaro was texting about him, raving about him, and then I, I think after the game, like two, I mean, two hours here is still like you know late evening not deep into the night for you guys uh and i was just like oh he's gone but uh, he what we were just hyping him up how did that yeah (laughs) i saw it coming and i thought it was going to be toronto i really wanted it to be toronto and i mean this guy's been like all over the place right he started out he didn't want to sign with the team that drafted him signed with minnesota if i remember correctly ended up with montreal at some point or did he sign with Montreal initially out of college? I can't remember. I don't uh, remember. I don't, no, I, I think we picked him up as a, as a UFA or something, or like a, in a very low-key trade. Okay. I don't remember him. And then we signed, and he, he auditioned well, and then we signed him to a contract, and then he went to Ottawa. Yeah, so he's been a little bit all over the place, but I remember the hype when he was that initial like college free agent and – Whatever team he ended up picking didn't work out there. Didn't work out in Montreal. Seems to be working out in Ottawa. Um, unless he told them, look, I'm not going to sign with you because he's done that before too. Then maybe maybe just get as much as you can for him. But I think, yeah, definitely a savvy move by uh, Boston. Um, that's, uh, that's unfortunate because I was like, hmm, that could be a good, that could be a good pickup for like a, a third rounder. I would have definitely said go for that yeah 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 i was definitely shocked by it and i wonder what kind of went down with negotiation on that side of it i hope that maybe comes out in a little bit uh because i was definitely sad to see him go he was just starting to really pick it up that's the downside there's so much behind the scenes stuff that we can only kind of fill in the gaps but we we don't know there could have been yeah Mm -hmm. he wanted like eight million dollars because he was going to, you know, have a career high in numbers and minutes played and like, and that's fine. The player deserves to ask for that. But at the same time, we don't 
no we just can speculate and i guess us as fans we go we drive ourselves crazy over that um you know it just you know you wish more people wrote books and you could be like ah see you know 25 years ago i wasn't crazy that's why <laughs> remember when yeah, it it out, out. Uh, I knew it. <laughs> just to touch one thing actually one thing we forgot he actually did probably did play a couple years in minnesota it was traded to montreal okay so it was a trade to montreal for yes, minnesota it was. i couldn't remember okay. neither none of us could remember i figured i'd just quickly do a little search and look it up mm. that's what i mean i find it weird that he he had his pick because he didn't sign with whatever team drafted him. He picked nope. Minnesota. Oh, he was drafted nope. by Minnesota? Yeah, he actually signed with Minnesota. Oh, yep. okay. okay. But but I, I remember there being some contract issues at, at the very least. It, it wasn't like it was an easy signing. Right, okay. So it's interesting. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, some players have a stigma around them when it comes to contracts. Taylor Hall, we were talking about, you know, pe- the team soured on him in the offseason. There could be a lot, like you say, things that we just have no clue, and maybe we'll find out in twenty-five years when Friedman's, re- you know, writes a crazy-ass tell-all story or something. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, early, early uh, on April twelfth, uh, which is trade deadline day, we had the very serviceable and. Does he really still need to be playing? Jeff Carter traded to <laughs> Pittsburgh for one last kick of the can for the old crew in Pittsburgh uh, for a conditional third and fourth pick. Um, and the crazy part is uh, doing the small amount of research I got to do today because uh, very busy at work. I couldn't take it as a holiday because I forgot that it was in April this year. Um, <laughs> turns out via the trade tree, everyone's favorite trade tree, that the Jeff Carter trade can be traced back all the way to 1967. Jesus, my god, wow, Canada's, wow. Canada's centennial f- 54 years at this point. So, I know exactly how long that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh. So, Let me go cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so back in 67, the Kings selected Gord Labarossi in expansion draft. Then they traded him to the Canadians for Ralph Backstrom. They traded Backstrom to the Blackhawks for Dan Maloney. 75, they traded Maloney to the Red Wings for Marcel Dion. 87, the Kings trade Dion to the Rangers for Bob Carpenter. Forgot how long Marcel Dion played for, uh, for the Kings. Uh, in '89, they traded Carpenter to the Bruins for Steve Casper. In '91, they traded Casper to the Flyers uh, for Jeff. Ooh, Troy Truck Trytron. I don't even know who that is. Chickren. Chickren. There we go. Chikrin. I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> In 92, they, tra- they traded him to Pittsburgh for Paul Coffey. Then they oh tra- the next year, Coffey got his coffee and ran to Detroit for Jimmy Carson. <laughs> they traded Carson to Vancouver for Dixon Ward. Ward to the Maple Leafs for a pick that became Eric Belanger. Belanger became a Hurricanes package for Jack Johnson. They traded Jack Johnson to the Blues for Jeff Carter. And 
Jeff Carter to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is, of course, courtesy of Sportsnet Stat because that's way too much math and names and English than I can ever do. So, like, I, I love the trade trees, uh, and especially uh, uh, Dangle uh, does the wonderful trade tree videos, and they can get pretty lengthy, but, like, I'm sure almost every team that's been around since er, the expansion era, you could possibly find something that goes this ex- I don't want to call it extreme but this deep oh I'm sure every team has one of those yeah you they must probably bring a book out of it but to bring it back just to the future for a second this is the second trade that I, that I was watching today while I was at work and seeing all the updates and I had it streaming uh, on my office computer so I would sneak in a little look every now and then uh, sorry, work. Uh, <laughs> trade deadline matters. <laughs> uh, this was the second one. This one actually is, again, this will be the under the radar, unheralded at the time, but is going to pay dividends, I think. Um, the only ca- caveat with that one is that, again, Pittsburgh is in that absolutely loaded divisions, and they're going to have to go through probably both of Boston and Washington if they want to make the Final Four. So, And both those teams loaded up today. We'll, we'll get to Washington later. But Jeff Carter, A, he plays center, and he can play the wing. You put him on the wing with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin, that's instant offense. Carter still has legs left in him. I got a chance to watch some L.A. Kings games this year. Not many, but I saw a couple. Carter still has some legs left in him. He can keep up with those boys. And I really think that this move is going to pay bigger dividends than people realize. I mean, he's played all 40 games, or all I think all 40 games that LA has played, and he's got 19 points. That's you know on a on a pretty if you team know, rebuild, yeah, rebuild type team. Yeah. LA, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's more points, or that's more goals for sure than Taylor Hall has. Wow, that's, that's, that's twice as many goals as he has. So it's crazy. <laughs> He, he plays with Kopitar sometimes, right? Like, Kelly isn't devoid of talent, but that also says Carter can play with talented centers. Like, if, if I think they would want him on the wing to play with the Wilson with Crosby. Like, and always good for extra centers, like when whoever's not on their strong side or whatever for face-offs. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, look at the amount of points he already had. So given the opportunity with Crosby... And Malkin, even you never know what can happen. Yeah, it was a good pickup, low price. And, and it's, I mean, God forbid, and for Pittsburgh fans' sake, God forbid either Crosby or Malkin goes down. Like if Crosby go down, Malkin moves into the number one spot, but then Carter slides right into the number as a great number two center. Well, Malkin's already yeah. down because he's on long term injury reserve right now. Ah, uh, but he, he'll be back. Yeah, he's so that's my fantasy down. team. <laughs> <laughs> be Lucky to have him. When fantasy doesn't matter. <laughs> when it's too late, it's re- it's real to me. Okay, it matters. Laps <laughs> have started, Justin. <laughs> That's okay. I wasn't even making the playoffs this year for fantasy. So I was just, I was just saying, as a sense fan, fantasy is all you got left. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Already looking on. I tell myself that every day. So. <laughs> 
Uh, carrying on, Vancouver got into the to the mix, uh, trading Adam Gaudet for Matthew Highmore, and then Edmonton feeling left out, being like, "Wow, well, maybe we should do something because we have to keep up." They get. I don't want to call him a journeyman, but household name, Dmitry Kulikov from New Jersey out of the great state of New Jersey. Everything's legal in New Jersey. Uh, hopefully uh, bringing him back to the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, I see the bigger of the two trades, but uh, do you see Vancouver trying to make a push. I mean, they've been devastated by uh, COVID right now. Uh, so uh, obviously playing games are kind of secondary. Also, the funny thing is Adam Gaudet was on the COVID list until yesterday. And then he gets traded the day he gets off the COVID list. Um, does, is Vancouver, I don't want to say, are they going to try and make the playoffs? Or do they just kind of take their losses and prepare for next year because they're, they're eight points out, but again, they have at least five games uh, on Edmonton. Uh, they have one more game than the Canadians who are holding the fourth spot um, and they're eight points away from them. So it could turn into a battle between Montreal and Vancouver. Those rescheduled games could turn into something. Um or are the Canucks kind of dead in the water and Ottawa could potentially pass them in points? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Probably neither. <laughs> Vancouver's not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. No, I think, fans. yeah. No. Ottawa is not passing Vancouver. They're only five Vancouver. points different, so. It could happen. five games on Ottawa. Well, don't you don't look, that that doesn't matter in that aspect. You only look at the other. <laughs> well, it'll teams. matter in terms of points percentage. If that's what we're going to have to go with, yeah. then it'll still matter. And Vancouver's playing like six games in like or ten games in thirteen days or whatever. It's crazy to make up for the two weeks. Yeah. Like that, they just need healthy people, and they're going to take a beating. Like so many back to backs. I, I don't know how they're going to. It's going to be terrible in the north for the. The next couple of weeks when they try and jam in these games but i see vancouver just kind of trying to hang in there with the last few with the last month but i don't see them making a playoff push i think they're really just going to kind of build up for next year and i'll make yeah. it unanimous i'll make it unanimous and say yeah vancouver's not making the playoffs um one thing i actually read interestingly i'm not sure how many of you guys saw it but there was an interesting little article out there that when Gaudet got traded, people were saying that they weren't surprised and that he was actually a bit of a problem inside the room in Vancouver. <laughs> so that this move was actually apparently low-key expected for the last week and some. And they had to wait till he got healthy on off the COVID list to make the, make the deal. Because the guy they're getting back is not, being, is not exactly rated as a high-level NHL prospect or even a decent prospect. He's, they're saying he's like a journeyman kind of AHL-level player. He's a 25-year-old. Not a pros- he can't be a prospect anymore. <laughs> well, no, but but, he, but he's never really played much in the, in, in the sh- in the show. So yeah, exactly. But they're saying like he's good. this guy is at best like a an emergency call up that that, that they Vancouver picked up. So it it kind of speaks volumes or lack thereof of what Vancouver thought of Gaudet. Sounds like they were trying to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems convenient that he just came off the, the COVID <laughs> list. And... They, someone fudged the date on the COVID. Just, uh... No, he's totally going to be fine by the 11th. Yeah, 11th uh, of March. Oh, no, sorry, March power. No, April. Yep, April 11th. He's off the list. It's fine. We, uh, so uh, Tampa Bay, again, getting another defenseman um, in uh, Frederick uh, Clayson. Uh, well, uh, is a is a Swede. Yeah. You know, he can't not be a Swede with that name, but no, he's like definitely Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, Swedish, very <laughs> Swedish. Then, not at all. What are you talking about? Then we get Alvaro's <laughs> specialty, the three-team trade, uh, where this one I think is probably the most confusing out of all the trades between Vegas, Chicago, and Colorado, uh, which means Colorado ends up with its favorite. Uh, non-native son in Carl Soderberg. Um, Adam, how happy are you to have uh, Carl back? I've been a fan of Carl Soderberg. I liked him before. I haven't followed what he's done too much this year in Chicago. So I, he's a good third, fourth line center there when needed. Like, again, he's not flashy, but if you need someone on the penalty kill or but like play those grinding rules, you can do it. As a pickup, I, was, I think Carl Soderberg is probably a better pickup than Matthias Janmark. That might be a hot take, but they didn't even have to finagle any sort of salary retention with Soderberg, and he's a known commodity for the Avalanche, so I think they did well with him. Adam, you might be able to correct me on this one, but didn't Soderberg actually score a couple of important goals for the Avalanche in their, in their playoffs a uh, few years back when he, his last run with the Avalanche. But wasn't he actually uh, a bit of like an unsung hero? That I'm not sure, but that's very likely because every year in the playoffs, someone uh, like plays above what they would be expected to do and will score an overtime goal or go on a, and get a hat trick or something. And he has that capability. He is that player that is being like, sure, you can be on the third line but then if someone gets injured or someone needs a breather, you're on the power play and suddenly you're scoring a goal or two and you win the game. Like he knows the system, as Alvaro said, and even though it's evolved a little bit in the time, uh, I think he'll fit in well. Like he knows the, the players and everything. So it was a good pickup. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Not, I'm sure. Sorry, go ahead, Alvaro. With uh, with Gabriel Landeskog as your captain, another fellow Swede, I'm sure he's going to make it super uh, smooth to just fit right back into the into the core. And uh, Charles, I think he might have been thinking of uh, his time in Boston. I remember, I, I I recall something about him playing really well, and I had him in fantasy when he was a, a Boston Bruin. Uh, and I think you might be thinking of a few of uh, either right before the playoffs to get them closer to the show or during the playoffs probably more so um old shit happens <laughs> started in Boston, so that would have been a while ago that would have been like seven eight years ago then he was in yeah. colorado then arizona now back to colorado so. but just think about uh, the grinding ability of the avalanche i mean yes nazim kadri plays a little higher in the lineup but kadri is that grinding scorer and soderbergh can grind with the best of them And the playoffs, as we all know, is just a eight-week grind. So I, 
I, I'm not sure. Even I don't care how good Vegas is. I'm not sure I want to face the Avalanche in a, in a seven game series now. The way, with how they've been picking up today. Well, the Avalanche have been scary. Like, yeah, the Avalanche. I do like from the West. Like Vegas is somehow always good, but Colorado from the back to the front with these pickups, they've added the depth that I think really helps. They have the game breakers in Matar in McKinnon. You have a top goaltender in Grubauer. Like they have all the pieces there. It just needs to come together. And it's been coming together in the regular season. This is how good Colorado is. And I'm not knocking it's not knocking anyone. Just like we've all been hyping them up because they are that good. And none of us have mentioned Rantanen yet. And it's oh, crazy. Randy. He's so good. <laughs> he's so damn good. It's crazy. Adam, I'm jealous. Like, he's ridiculous. Yeah, McKinnon, Langeskog, Rantanen is a top line. And then you have, oh like, my God. And you have Gerard. Kadri. Like, your second Like, it's... Yeah. The bell of the ball, I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really... I haven't been, like... Uh, I'm not the type of fan that has like a second team or anything like that. Not since I was probably a teenager, but when Kadri got traded to Colorado, I was like, oh, part of my heart went with them. So I'm glad you guys are taking care of him. Fitting in well. You, so, you notice though, I mean, talking Kadri just for a second, he, his antics and, and his shtick and his shenanigans have all but disappeared from his, compared to his time in Toronto. Yeah, magically. I think yeah, still was some media related as well. Like, yeah. who knows? Oh, if it's definitely media related stuff. But like, Colorado media is just like less in your face all the time. But he is older and, in theory, wiser. Like, he's been around a little <laughs> bit. <longer. laughs> it doesn't work for all of us. But like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it goes both ways too with the media because a lot of like a lot of the talk when he was a Leaf was. The refs just would would shit on him like so much. They would just pile on him like anything, any little thing he did, he'd get a call. And anything that was done against him would just be overlooked. Um, and that might that might be a little bit of a homerism. I see that happen with with Vancouver and Pedersen. He never gets calls against him. That happens a lot with a lot of players. But something about Kadri with the refs, maybe it was media driven in Toronto. It was. It always just rubbed me the wrong way. Of like, he just constantly gets the shaft. Uh, I'm glad that that's not the case so much in Colorado for him. Well, maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll clarify that my comment. It wasn't so much his attitude. And I never had a problem with his attitude or, or you know, speaking his mind. It was you know the hits of behind the, the playoff suspensions, oh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Like his, that that kind of shtick where he was constantly seeming to be playing right on the line and would cross it way too easily. And Alvaro, I'm sorry, but he was crossing it out of that Brad Marchand style. Mm-hmm. So, like, but you notice that ever since he's gone to Colorado, I haven't seen him suspended once, maybe once. I, I, if it was, I've forgotten. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you, you, don't, you don't hear about Nazem Kadri getting in trouble and, you know, thinking, acting before he thinks. Now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe to Adam's point, maybe he is a little wiser. He's a, few, a couple years older. But it's just he seems to have transformed himself, which I, yeah. for me, I, I like to see because I couldn't stand him. I, I wanted the worst things to happen to him as a fan because of the way he played in Toronto. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it was the role too, right? Like yeah. Toronto didn't have anyone else that played that role. And, and he wasn't mm-hmm. ever really scared of it. I remember just watching him um, take on a Ottawa 67 in junior, just clocked him right in the, knocked him out. And it was like a few rows ahead of me. And I was like, this is awesome. This is what we're going to have as a Leafs. But he didn't need to be that guy. He doesn't need to be that guy in Colorado. Um, especially when we played, you mentioned Marshawn, especially when we played Boston. Yeah, It was just, you know, in the playoffs where, you can get away with murder and calls don't go your way or sometimes they go and you're not expecting it to go. So you're like, okay, sometimes it's just the scenery and, and uh, a little bit of that maturation process that comes with the trade. It's the mountain air for sure. <laughs> Rocky Mountain High. The things that grow over there. <laughs> it, it was legal there first. So. <laughs> So one player that no one was surprised got traded was Sam Bennett. His relationship with Calgary <laughs> has not been very good. Uh, and uh, he goes to Florida to, to help them. They're in uh, the thick of things. They're two points behind uh, Tampa, who are tied with uh, Carolina for first in the Central. So they're, you know, they're probably going to play one or the other in the first round. So, or they could possibly get first who, you know, it's a three-way race right now for the central division for the chance to play what looks to be the lonely predators or some miracle Chicago. But uh, so you want to play first. So you avoid that tough first round. Um, What, uh, what can the Panthers look forward to in a Sam Bennett? Playoffs. Yeah, exactly. His, his playoff yeah. presence is is he doesn't even need to play any games in the regular season. He's got that hard nosed grinding ability that the Panthers, at least the last time the Panthers made the playoffs, the Panthers lacked, and that's why the Panthers never advanced that past either uh, the Islanders or New Jersey the last couple times that they were in the playoffs. Uh, he's going to be that guy who's going to just crash the front of the net. Uh, he he'll be there, Nazem Kadri. Hornquist plays that a little bit for them. At Hornquist goes in the corners and is a net front on the power play and everything. But a they little. Need another one. They need someone more like Sam Bennett. Yeah, and he'll add to that. Yeah, and that's what they need to get that past that little hump. I did find this trade surprising slightly i know you said no one was surprised but like he requested a trade earlier in the season and then everything seemed to sour and then uh calgary got the coach and then he rescinded his trade request like last week or something because he enjoyed playing for the coach and his role and now that he took away the trade request he then got traded which i'm like huh i I, I will say having moved out here to the middle of the the country uh you know people hardly talk about the eastern team so it's giving me more of an insight of what people think and the ability to watch more western teams because it's not late at all uh and you know here it's mostly edmonton calgary or winnipeg fans and then sprinkle in a few random teams here and there uh uh, listening to the Calgary fans, it's been a like 
they they were kind of over Sam Bennett's and even though he rescinded his trade they were it was kind of like too little too late and I, I from what I'm hearing the organization was kind of in the same boat like oh cool that's great that you enjoy playing for this coach now you should have you know sucked it up for the more professional before uh, so I don't think whatever he did uh, would have mattered it was just the the timing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Calgary as a, as an organization is going to really have to look at themselves and be like, what are we doing? Uh, it's going to be an interesting off season for them because I'm not sure it really makes sense for them to continue having uh, a top six that you don't really know what their identity is. You don't really know what they're trying to go with. They thought you know Goudreau Monahan would be that like tandem that duo that could carry them then all of a sudden they're on the second line and they're being sheltered and Lindholm is your first center like if that's the case good run with it but they don't really like I don't know other than Kachuk I don't think there's any player there that's really a no-brainer to keep as a as part of the core let me tell you a lot of Calgary fans out here are kind of like looking to the sky feeling very very lost you know they're in the playoff hunt right now but after this season like you said yeah they're kind of like who like who do we keep who do we have they're 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 in a daze right now and it's it's been crazy to see from the start of the season how you know they were pretty high up there running pretty well and then just kind of flipped the switch and now they're just like what happened like they didn't see how it happened and it just all of a sudden they're in this scenario and they're like oh what it's it's been remarkable the calgary flames of 2021 or the montreal canadians of 2009 to 2013 yeah look at how the flames are built look how the habs were built the flames have electric offensive talent that is small. And unfortunately, Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan are not Brady and Matthew Kachuk. Now, Brady being in Ottawa, but I think Brady is a, the Kachuk brothers are cornerstones of their respective franchises. They are not overly physically imposing, but they're serviceable, serviceable six foot plus size people. I mean, I think Matthew's six two and Brady's around the, around the same size, maybe an inch shorter, inch taller. One of them's taller than the other, but not by much. But they, they, they have a hard-nosed edge, which you need, especially come playoff time, to touch on Alvaro's comment about uh, Brian Burke and truculence from those from a few years back. That's what the Kachuk, but Matthew, especially in Calgary, brings. And the Flames can't seem to decide: do they want to go that route, or are they going to go more of a skilled route? And it's costing them big time. It cost them against Anaheim a couple of times in the playoffs. It cost them uh, in the the play-in last year, yeah, it cost them big time because yeah. uh, you, you, everyone here has talked about how Calgary doesn't have an identity and that they don't know what to do when things go bad. They resort back to what they're kind of used to, and that's that small Johnny Gaudreau-style hockey, and it doesn't get them anywhere. It's an easy figure out how to defensively defend against that and there you go 
yeah, once you shut that down, if that's your, if that's the only thing you're bringing to the table, then as much as you're going to really rely on sheltered minutes. Sucks, as much as Ottawa sucked against Edmonton, we've been great against Calgary. So it's like 500 against the rest of the division almost, and even the games we've lost against Toronto, like a lot of one goal games, six yeah. five, like oh, yeah, you guys yeah. have. You guys have come to Toronto like it's friggin' game seven of the playoff series. <laughs> Every game, it's like, whoa, these guys. This is why I say, like, you guys have hope. The Sens have hope. I see it because that's games that I'm watching. You guys are like just killing it, and I'm like, holy shit, this is gonna be scary in a couple of years. If it's the game seven in Toronto, just don't put Patty Lolim in net. Oh my god, or <laughs> friggin'. <laughs> Uh, you There's know been what, some Game 7s that I, I recall, too, that didn't go as well. So as, those as, are more recent. As bad as Patrick Aleem was on really big stage Game 7s, like, he has nothing but admiration for Ottawa. He will, he gets asked all the time to come do, like, CHEO events or alumni events. And he lives in Montreal. And he, you know, before everything went like, he would drive to Ottawa once a week, once every two weeks for something like that. So... He's very charitable and he clearly enjoyed his time somewhat in Ottawa to keep coming back and doing these charity events. So, Well, you remember in Pittsburgh, he was a rookie and he had that fantastic 16 game start to his career where he set the record for rookie start. And I think it still stands to this day, not even like no one's touched it. And then, you know, he was fighting for playing time, trying to prove himself as a number one fighting for playing time. Couldn't get it, and then he gets traded to Ottawa, and then Ottawa said, "Here, here's the crease. Run with it." <laughs> he was your guy. That's what happened? Now, Charles, uh, when Montreal traded for Eric uh, Gustafson, was that uh, the same time or kind of the nail in the coffin for uh, Victor Mate? I honestly don't understand what some of the Habs fan base sees in Victor Mete. Yes, he's a great, he's, he's a talent, but some people were so like loyal and overly attached to him. And he's only played in reality, a handful of NHL games. He's not a 500 game NHL vet. I don't I'm not even sure if he's played a hundred, maybe 200 games. He's, he's still kind of green behind the years. He's still wet behind the years. Hasn't really solidified himself as an NHL top six defenseman. Um, I was actually talking to a couple of friends who live in Montreal. Uh, one of my friends who actually writes for uh, the Hockey News and a couple other – does some scouting for uh, – writes for a few publications. Most teams, he's a seventh defenseman. The, the 20% of the league where he's not a seventh defenseman is Ottawa, Arizona, uh, Buffalo. Sorry, Buffalo, but we keep bringing them up all the time. Um, I honestly think that Victor Mete's time in Montreal was over in the offseason when they went out and they signed Petrie to the extension. They got, they had Sherrod, they had Weber, they got Romanoff from Russia, they picked up um, Edmondson from St. Louis, and that pretty much says, there's your top five. Now you've got a couple good prospects that were playing, you've got uh, at the time uh, Noah Ewolson, who has since been traded. Uh, it was part of the stall deal, I believe. Um, but everyone was fighting for one spot. 
and Mete just couldn't he couldn't keep up. They 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 already had puck movers. They already had guys who could do stuff, and he wasn't he didn't have something about his game that set him apart. So I think his time actually the fact that he even was on the, the Habs this long through the season kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, but I love the Gustafson pickup. I mean, wasn't it just two years ago he had sixty points? Or 50 points, something like that, where he put up a pretty good season, point-wise? Yeah, I think you're right. I believe so, yeah. So, uh, I, I love the pickup. And Gustafson, had, he, he came from Philadelphia, and that's a, that's a team and an organization where if you don't bring your best, not only are the fans and media are going to call you out, your own coach and GM are going to call you out publicly. So he knows a pressure cooker when he sees one, and he doesn't even bat an eyelash when he's like, okay, Montreal, bring it on. I, I know pressure cookers. I can play there. Yeah, it was 18-19. Uh, we had 60 points with uh, the Blackhawks. So, yeah. so, you know, he's not, uh, he's not exactly over, the, over that hump either. He's only 29. You know, he's still in his prime. Exactly. Um, so it's a really good pickup, and he plays both sides on defense. That's so super rare. He shoots so, right, doesn't he? Is he a right shot or a left shot? Uh, let me see. I think he's left-handed. Yeah, he's left-handed, but he, he plays both sides. But still, a right shot would have made it that much better. But no, a left-handed shot who can play both sides of the ice just gives you options. So, yeah, no, exactly. this, this pickup, especially if somehow Chirac gets so late in his return, I love it. Now, how much tougher is Toronto now that they have Big Ben Hutton? <laughs> ben Hutton. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like 6'1". It's not that big. I think he'll be a, a pretty decent 7th, uh, 8th kind of option. Uh, it's, it's interesting because... I would have wanted to see some kind of like like a Mike Riley, like I mentioned earlier, that kind of um, bona fide top six. Maybe someone to push Travis Dermott out of the lineup. But I think that could happen with one of our prospects. I think Rasmus Sandin could end up just pushing uh, Dermott down and Dermott becoming our, our seventh, you know, in case of uh, there's going to be injuries, most likely. Long playoff run, hopefully. Uh, so... I'm okay with it. Ben Hutton, I know he used to play for Vancouver. I didn't really follow much of his time in, in uh, Anaheim, but I'm not surprised to see Toronto trading with Anaheim. They, they seem to always come around, uh, have at least one dance at the ball. He also spent time in L.A. He went from Vancouver to L.A. To That's right. Okay. In L.A., he was actually really – he had a really good uh, couple of seasons with L.A., now we had some, uh, you know, smaller trades. Uh, Ottawa sending Eric Goodbranson. Uh, he was. I don't think anyone thought he was going to last the entire year. Uh, we got a seventh and a prospect. Uh, the Toronto trade after that. I have no idea who both of those players are. Um, do you know? I could shed you... a little light. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not all that interesting, but. Uh... Alex Barabanov was uh, one of those kind of um, Russian free agents a la Zaitsev or, you know, other projects that you see. Um, there was Miko Lettinen that was also a, 
uh, a Leaf defenseman earlier in the season was just a KHL type of signing. Um, that's one thing I like about the current regime in Toronto, that if you sign a guy and it's his first, you know, his first time in North America and he doesn't really get an opportunity, they'll send him to another team. And it's not like, you don't have to do that. It's not like it's promised or anything, but it's just kind of, you want a chance and we're, you're not getting it here. You may as well try to get it somewhere else. Uh, as far as who we got back, Sul Mella, I don't know much about him, but he's, uh, you know, he's been in the league for long enough and he's a center. So I guess that's uh, just a little more depth. Uh, not that we really need it, but mostly to give Barabanov a shot somewhere else where he'll actually get some nice time. Uh, and then the Ducks receive Hayden Fleury from the Hurricanes. Um, it, is this more of like a dump? Uh, like he wasn't going to resign. I don't. Uh, I don't know the situation with with him without looking it up. He's a pretty recent draft pick. He's still only twenty four, and it's a little weird. With Carolina, always makes interesting decisions with their defensemen, and they've they've made statements, bold statements in the media in the past couple of years, where they say, "Oh." You don't need to draft defensemen. You can just trade for them. And they've been right about it, which is annoying uh, because it's, everyone knows it's so hard to actually get good defensemen. Um, so I don't know. It's a little weird to see. He's, you know, 24 year old, six foot three. He's not like, as far as I know, he's a pretty decent skater. Um, so it's weird to see a young guy just go for essentially another kind of journeyman. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Hakanpa. I, I saw this as um, and um, sorry, not Anaheim, Carolina trying to get a little bigger. Like Hackenpah is just a physical guy. He he, he gets the hits and the blocks. Whereas Anaheim, Hayden Flurry, at least from his draft position, because he was a, a top first rounder like way back and way yeah, back top ten in fourteen. Yeah. Um, so he he has more skill upside. Where Hackenpah is kind of like. I don't know. I more of that like playoff type defenseman where yeah, you're going to like you want him in a seven game series. Whereas if Flurry isn't cutting it right now, they're they're giving up on not giving up, but they're trading someone for that like warrior or that like grit. That's how I, I saw it. But it it is it isn't a terribly exciting trade, but well, Carolina, like we talked about other teams earlier who have aspirations, they they see themselves as contenders. I mean, yeah. they're deep in net. They have four lines that they can roll at any point in time, but they don't have a very large physical presence, to your point, Adam. So this this is the kind of guy that they, they can throw out on the ice who will bang some bodies, he'll make the, some, some opposing players think twice about, you know, maybe taking liberties with their players. And yeah, I mean, I'll use the word that they, they're giving up on Flurry, but Anaheim also probably had their eye on him because Anaheim is running short on good puck moving defensemen. They don't have Scott Niedermeyer anymore. Uh, they don't, Cam Fowler's not getting any younger. I mean, we all remember him getting drafted and him being thought of as the next Niedermeyer, but he's not getting any younger. He's getting up there in years. So they, they need someone who can move the puck, and Hayden Flurry can at least move his feet and move the puck pretty well. Yeah, you're definitely right, because you look at that division that they're in, they're very neck and neck. And so you definitely need to add that size to kind of hang in there with how stacked some of those teams are. 
Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to need physicality to just stay with Tampa Bay. And yep. for that matter, I mean, the Panthers That's are playing cool. a different game, but uh, they're still tough. But, you know, the, I mean, Carolina's right now, they're tied with Tampa for first in the central with a game at hand. Uh, and, you know, they're only two points ahead of Florida. So those three are essentially locks right now. Um, but to stand out, to come out of that division, it's going to be, you're going to be so battered and bruised by the time the winner of that division makes it to the final four. You're going to need players like that to carry you to, you know, amp you guys up to face a team that you haven't seen all year. The uh, we only got four trades left. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Uh, if you've stayed this long, then you clearly either know one of us, like listening to us, or you just like hockey. Uh, so thank you. Long live hockey, <laughs> or all of the above. <laughs> uh, so Chicago and uh, Vancouver uh, dealt a fifth round pick and Mason Bowie uh, for a fourth round pick. Uh, the Jets acquired Jordy uh, Ben from Vancouver for a sixth. Uh, and then Washington decided, hey, you know what? Maybe we should do something because, uh, you know, we're in first. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh did something. The Islanders did something. Boston did something. I guess we should do something. Hey, Detroit, you got a lot of you know, dead weight, right? Take these people. So Anthony Mantha is now a Washington Capitol along with uh, Michael Raffle uh, from Philadelphia. But a way to end trade center day or trade deadline day uh, with a very huge trade uh, just at the 3 p.m. mark. What do you guys think of the splash that Washington had right at the end? Before we do Washington, That defense was one of the most fearsome in the NHL. Jordy Ben is a take-no-prisoners Spartan-like attitude on the ice where he will just as soon punch you in the face before he shakes your hand. And Winnipeg is going to love him. Winnipeg is going to be a tough out because of him on the back end. No one's going to want to go in the corner and battle with him unless your name is Wayne Simmons. Because Simmons, Simmons enjoys that like no other. Like, I'm not sure there's another. I'm not even sure if Chris Neal would enjoy it as much as Wayne Simmons would. I think he's a mess. Um, this is what it is. <laughs> um, but Jordy Ben in Winnipeg is going to solidify that defense because it looks like, I mean, unless a miracle happens, the North is set. Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto. The only question is who winds up in what spot and who gets home ice advantage in rounds one and two. So I really think Winnipeg stuck that one in very quietly. No one saw them do it. And it's going to be a trade that's going to make them a very, very tough out. And interestingly enough, I think it's probably one of the better defensemen as a full package mm-hmm. than a lot of the ones that we've just been mentioning. You know, the Hakanpa, the Hutton, um, the Branson, like... Jordy Ben is, is probably better than all of them Agreed. until you start to talk about Gustafson. Um, 
it's just a it's a, it's strange seeing that kind of package only a six rounder go the other way and i don't know it's it's interesting you, you kind of wonder like do these are there teams that are just straight up don't want to talk to other teams because it seems like you could get better returns from certain teams than you would from others I think I think the border still, even with only being seven days, I think that still played a huge issue. You only saw yeah. two, maybe two deals, maybe three, going cross border. Not having, not being able to have a guy for seven yeah. days right now with a team that's in a fight for a playoff spot or footing for position. I'm not sure if we want to risk that. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Washington. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I was going to say that's a yeah, that's a good point. You know, Winnipeg is quietly you know, gone way up in the, in the standings and they're, they're challenging and they're going to be a tough out. Uh, they're, they're going at all cylinders. So uh, they need that solidified defense to give them those big hits that are going to amp them up in the playoffs. And uh, that, that turns a series around real quick, as we all know. <laughs> Especially when there's no fans, momentum has to come from the bench. It's been has been a very interesting dynamic to watch this year. Like you hear the guys talking to each other, or you hear refs on the mic, and you're just like, "This is a, a very different image than what we're used to seeing in the NHL." So much gets drowned out with the uh, with the fans in the background, but in the Washington trade, I think Detroit cleaned up. Like yeah, I don't I don't fully understand this one. Like to be to be honest, there. Like I, I understand that Mantha is a good player. But maybe I'm not sure what his contract situation is. Like I think he signed for another year or something. But maybe maybe it's just a really good deal. But like Vrana, Panic, a first and a second. Like I think Vrana was criminally underrated. Like I didn't understand why he was doing so little time in Washington. And he was putting up like 50 points the last couple of seasons with like 13, 14 minutes. I'm like, move him up there. Like what, I don't know what they're getting with Mantha that they weren't. Well, I, I do think Mantha's a, bet, a good player. Don't get me wrong. So but... he signed for three more years at five, seven until he becomes a UFA in 24, 25. And he's put up like, on a bad team, I, on a bad Detroit team, he's putting up in, in the 40s. Like, he, he hasn't broken the 50-point mark. No. And it's like, I don't know, a decent-ish salary, maybe high for what he's produced, but you're paying for that growth in the next couple of years. But I still think it's a really high price, that Washington pay. The one I think thing- it's a little bit... Go ahead, Daryl. I was just going to say it's a little bit paying for that potential, especially since, like you said, he's been playing on a pretty bad team. He's still fairly young. You know, he's only uh, 26. That's pretty, you know, just on the cusp of his prime. And with that, playing with actually good players will probably lead to an uh, an inflation in his in his numbers. Um, but it is a lot to give up for him. Vrana's not a not a slump at all, not a chump at all. He's uh, probably going to be a trade chip for a future trade because he still has one year left on his contract. Uh, so we don't even know what the full picture is, and already it looks like Detroit really did well. Again, Iserman, crazy. 
Don't forget. Detroit. Sorry, go ahead, Cole. Oh, I was just going to say Detroit definitely cleaned up on that one. Um, I think realistically it came down to Washington needing, needing to make a play and just add some extra people to it. I mean, all the other teams in that division were making plays and they have to face them at one time or another if they want to make that cup contender again. So that's where it definitely came down to it with Anthony Manhub playing as well as he did in Detroit. Imagine with Ovi and all them. Will Don't he forget. play on the first line, you think? Like, no. That's, no. I don't know. I don't think so. Him. Not the first line. And so he's going to have, like, Backstrom maybe if he's on the second line. Like, like what do they have now? Like, Sheary and Backstrom. Like, I guess that's – I'm not sure who he was playing with in Detroit, but – Bertuzzi? On the other wing, I don't even know like who the Larkin, center would be. He's playing with Larkin. Larkin and, probably, I guess. And I'm like, Larkin's a pretty good center again, but I, the whole team on Washington is so much better. So like, yeah. you, you will get that flow through, like he's probably against the, the top shutdown defenseman and stuff. So he'll get a break and probably be able to breathe more. Keep something in mind about Anthony Mantha. Detroit historically never brings up young players soon. You have to spend four or five years in the minors before you even think about letting you have a game in the NHL. So he, while he is 26 years old, entering just about to enter his prime, he's actually only been a full-time NHLer for about three years. So just keep that in mind. So he's still he's really still just scratching the surface of what he can be. One other thing, well, not, not one other, not one other thing, but one other point to make. Look at who everyone else in their division added. Pittsburgh adds Carter, size. Boston adds Hall, who's not a giant, but he's not small either. He's 6'1", 6'2", but he's built like a small brick house. Don't move <laughs> <Yes>. him easily. <laughs> uh, the Islanders add Palmieri and Zajac. Zajac's not big, but Palmieri can bang bodies. Yeah. Anthony, what Anthony Mantha has that Verana doesn't is size. Yeah, he's he got a reach. He's, yeah. he's, he plays with like an exceptionally long stick, even for a guy his size. Meth is about 6'3", 6'4". 6'5". No slouch. 6'5", excuse me. Thank you. So wow. he's as tall as, I mean, for, for those of you who know me, that's as tall as me and Justin. So like, he's, he's got a big body. You, everyone focuses on that top line with Ovechkin. You suddenly shift Mantha to the second line playing with Connor Sheary who is a hard nose of the hardworking player, and Backstrom, who has exceptional vision and passing skill. Did those three years at $5.7 million, by the end of the three years, if Manthan really clicks in Washington, will be a steal because he will be putting up big numbers. Yeah, especially if the cap starts eventually within those three years to go back up as it, sh- as it should, as it's expected to. Uh, it's, overall, it's a good trade for both teams. And again, like Detroit still has more to do. Uh, it's exciting to see because when we grew up in the nineties, Detroit was like the powerhouse, right? And it's it's weird to, s- to have a league where Detroit's not making the playoffs every year. Uh, well, for given how long that, was that's it? what we're 25, used to. 26 years consecutively, they made the playoffs. So, like it for the first 25 to 26 years of my life, Detroit was a staple in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden 
they weren't there and you know life hasn't been the same so you know the now i was looking at washington so you know washington's getting up there in age ovechkin's 35 he says he wants to play till what 47 50. he wants to break records is he, what wants he wants to, to do good for him yeah. all the records broken he's staying all I the records so. all the belts now uh, most of their core is you know 28 to 34 so that's not terrible now this year they gave up their first and they may have a conditional third round pick but they don't have their own so they have a second and maybe a third but a fourth they gave a second rounder in 2022 but after that they still have all their draft picks so they're not gambling their entire future for one more kick at the can uh like some other teams are like how in a few years is like pittsburgh really going to be how bad is a team like pittsburgh going to be when their core is all kind of grouped together and then they all either get injured or retire this will be an unpopular take among some of the more, especially the diehard Penguins fans. When the cap goes up a little bit in a couple of years' time, when fans are back in the stands, the uh, the new TV deal kicks in in the states. Mm, yes, um, the cap will go up a few million dollars. One of, if not both, of Crosby and Malkin are going to be traded because Pittsburgh will need to be re- rebuilding, and those are the two biggest assets they have to recoup and start a rebuild. Pittsburgh is going to need to do that. Otherwise, they are going to be just like they were for about four or five years there from 19, from about 2000 until 2005 when they were the laughing stock of the NHL. So for, for 2021, right. in their, their draft, they have a second rounder, they have a fifth, and they have three seven-rounders for this draft year. Oish. Next year, they have a first uh, – they might have a second. It's a conditional pick with the Jeff Carter. Um, it If they don't have the second pick, uh, if they do, then they don't have the third round pick. Uh, and then they have a fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh. And then it starts to look a little bit better in 2023. But that's about the time they have to start to think like, you know, I, I having uh, Malkin on my fantasy team and it's a keeper – you know, this year I started to be like, oh, like, is he going to like, how much longer do I keep him as a keeper? Because he's getting up there and he's not the young buck that he was and he's getting injured more often. Like, at what point do you let go? Malkin gets traded before Crosby does simply because Crosby is the face of your franchise. It's it's almost like the least you can do is let him play out on one team or if he or dictate where he goes like if he wants to yes of course you give him that choice for what he's done if he determines like maybe he wants to go when pittsburgh decides to enter the rebuild if he wants to be traded to a contender at the deadline for like that one more stanley cup chance um i think pittsburgh would honor that i don't think pittsburgh will necessarily look to trade him, like, because he's won everything that one person can win almost in the NHL, like, I don't know if he would rather stay with the Penguins and then just retire as a Penguin 
or if he's going to be like, yes, trade me to Vegas or trade me to Colorado and let's go for like, like the whole Ray Bork thing. Like I want the before I but he has that. So I'm not sure. Yeah. It's tough to say when it comes down to that time on kind of what the team's really going to look like. And if it is how we're predicting it, I can see that. Uh, Definitely Malkin will be traded first, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do they consult cross if they, when, if and when, more or less, when they go into a rebuild, does Pittsburgh owe it to Crosby to like, bring him in on the conversation or do, do they pull a Chicago and not tell Taves or Kane and be like, Hey guys, like it's going to be a bumpy road for five years. Sorry to end your career like this. Not with Ariel Lemieux as the owner, not a chance. Yeah, I don't think they owe him, but I think they would because of Mario. I think they would, because like, it's not like Crosby's doing this out of the goodness of his heart or whatever. But I think there is a good relationship or Mario knows what it's like to be a player. And he would be like, look, just so you know, like we're going to start rebuilding. Do you want to kind of like stick around type thing or should we look at trading? you? I, I think there is mutual respect, especially of a player of Crosby's caliber, like everything that he's given to the organization. Uh, I do think... It's not an O, but it's a respect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, same here. And Mario Lemieux just really, yeah, I think he sets that standard uh, for the organization. Uh, just his return to the NHL, his comeback from retirement coincided with Crosby's first year. Uh, they actually played together and they lived together. It's just, it's too much, right? It's, it's so much history there and there's so much respect that I, I, I would be shocked and I would be insulted not even being a, Sen- uh, a Crosby fan myself or a Pittsburgh fan for that matter. Uh, but I'd be shocked if they didn't, uh, if they did him wrong like that, if they did him the Saku Koivu style in Montreal type of uh, raw deal. Oh. Yeah. That, that's, that still burns a bitter spot with me to this day a little bit. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts of trade deadline day, who do we think, uh, I mean, obviously, we kind of know who the, the 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 bummer teams are, but uh, who do you think, if you had to pick one team, who really won or solidified their chances of making it at least to the final four uh, that much better after today? A lot of the people are going to hate me for this, considering they know my, my hockey allegiance and who I despise, but I have got to say the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just because they get David Riddich, who is a quality NHL goalie, in a pinch, God forbid both Anderson and Campbell go down, Riddich can start, and he can start indefinitely. So you've got three, no, you've got three starting goaltenders, which is an embarrassment of riches by, by anyone's standards. They pick up Nick Polino, probably second-best winger, that was traded on today outside of Taylor Hall. So they, so they solidify their top nine. They solidify their goaltending. Their defense has been far greatly improved with the addition of TJ Brody over the summer. As much as I hate to admit it, the buck stops with them when it comes to the North division. 
you're going to have to go through them to have any chance. I hate to agree with a, with a, with a Habs fan, but I'm going to have to agree with a Habs fan on this one. Um, no holds barred. No. I mean, it's for me, it's, it's uh, given that uh, we're talking about the playoffs only, because if we're talking about winners long-term, I think Detroit actually really did well um, for a long-term perspective. But if we're talking about what they did to get to the playoffs this year, going all in, I can't really, with any sort of excitement, hold back and, and not say Toronto. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'd say Toronto definitely won the trade deadline. I wouldn't go as far as depending on if they can actually win the series and put all their money where their mouth is because that's been their problem. They get all these star players together and they have a great team going forward this year. Like by far, it's can they get it done? And that's where it'll come down to it. I like Boston. And anytime, uh, I, I do think Toronto is there, but just to say another opinion, I, I, I think Boston did well to, um, like, if Hall clicks. I think Hall is the biggest game breaker that was traded. Mm-hmm. And I think the team that got him for almost virtually nothing, but like for very little, uh, I think they need to be a winner. And Mike Riley, too. That's a and, really uh, good pickup. And they addressed some other yeah, other yeah. holes or added depth to it. I think that will pay off for them, or at least increase their chances. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are three clear winners uh, if you want to go Olympic style, since we do do our Olympic countdown uh, on the podcast for those of you regular listeners. Uh, I mean, the top three have to be, as much as I hate to say this, Toronto. Uh, Colorado and Tampa Bay. I mean, Toronto made the splashier moves, getting the bigger names, if you will, but all three were thought out. They weren't, you know, maybe Washington's was thought out, but, you know, the fact that it was like a last second, they kind of waited to get a a big name player. Sometimes that's by design. Sometimes that's panicking. Uh, And, you know, those three, you know, Toronto, Colorado and uh, Tampa Bay, they they knew they're in control of uh, their destiny. They knew they're going to make the playoffs by this point. So it's how do you tweak things, not changing the locker room dynamic? How do you add guys that will gel to get you to that you know top spot? Uh, you know Tampa Bay did it last year. They know what it takes. Um, maybe they get the slight advantage because they, they've been there before they know what it takes and they know what type of guides they need to get to, I don't know, at middle of July this year, whenever the Stanley <laughs> cup will be awarded. It's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, those three, you have to say were the big, the big fish today, uh, and uh, we're, we're just, you know, uh, with rescheduling, we're, I think, around a month away from uh, the end of the season and finding out who will make the playoffs in each division. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so very much for doing this 
uh, I think this is probably going to be an annual tradition. We'll have to all take vacation and <laughs> maybe <next laughs> we can all be in the same room together. Isn't that a dream? Ooh, one can dream. One can dream. Uh, do any of you have final thoughts? One I was thinking of as we we're talking about the winners. You know who really wins the, from today? Us. The fans. Well, 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 especially the people here on the more eastern part of the continent. We have the North Division and the East Division. In my opinion, the two toughest divisions in, in the league. And it is going to be absolute war to get out of them. Oh, man. Yeah. Austin, the Islanders, Washington, and Pittsburgh in one division. And barring a miracle, Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, and Winnipeg in another. Pull a popcorn, grab a drink, and just sit back and enjoy because that will be one wild ride. Hell yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Enjoy the sprint. That is the last month of the regular season. And uh, be sure to join us uh, as we uh, recap the end of the season and uh, look back at our playoff predictions to laugh at myself on the pipe dream that Ottawa making the playoffs. Um, other than that, uh, obviously we have to go back to hear what we all said, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the latter half. Hopefully it stops snowing wherever you're listening to this. Um, some countries you don't even get snow. So congratulations, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's snowing here, but uh, spring is here. It was very warm. The snow will melt by the end of the week. And that only means that playoff hockey is just ever so close when it's warm outside. So thank you again, gentlemen, for taking the time out of your day to come uh, for this massive episode. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the final month and sport on.